Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Difference Makers series, which walks through the first two chapters of the book of Exodus, seeing how anyone can make a difference in the lives of others. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you. We'd love to hear how God used it in your life. This morning, as we pick back up in our story, I want us to discover today this simple truth. That's difference makers, they invest by faith in those closest to them. Difference makers, people who truly want to make a difference, you know what they do? They say, by faith, I'm going to pour into those that are closest to me first. We're going to learn this from the life of a lady by the name of Jochebed and her husband, Amram. Their names aren't even listed in our passage, but we know from other places what their names were. And I want you to see their story as it begins to unfold with us today. Exodus chapter two, let's stand together and let's go to Exodus chapter two, verse number one, read a few verses, we'll get the message, and then you can go and enjoy your Mother's Day lunch and talk about all of the principles you learned in church today. Exodus chapter two and verse number one, it says this, that there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took a wife of the daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived, and she bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink, and his, the baby's sister, We'll find later, this is Miriam. She stood afar off to wit or to see what would be done to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. Her maidens, they walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark, that basket among the flags, the bulrushes the, uh, there in the water, she sent her maiden, her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, She saw the child. Behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Jochebed, Moses' mom, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. How's that sound, mom? Get paid for raising your own kid. And the woman took the child and nursed it. The child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of water. This morning, we're going to understand from the life of Amram and Jochebed, the father and mother of Moses, just this simple thought that difference makers, they have a desire to invest or to pour into those that are closest to them. Oh, they don't, they don't not pour into anybody else, but they see their family and recognize my family has purpose. And my part of my purpose is to pour my life and investment into those closest around me. We're gonna see this from their lives this morning. 
But before we do it, let's just pray and ask God to bless our time. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you, just in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and ask the Lord to speak to you? Would you this morning just commit the time to the Lord and maybe ask God, God, would you help me to hear from you today? God, would you show me how I can invest in my family and those closest around me? Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the story before us today. And I pray, God, that you would help us. I pray that you'd help us to understand the truths, the principles that we can see in this passage. And Lord, that you would use it to shape our week and our time. And Lord, that you would uh, show us the opportunities to, to invest in the lives of those around us and to pour you into those closest to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help. If there's anyone here that does not know that you're their savior, I pray that you'd help them to receive you today. And bless it, Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. In Exodus chapter number two, we just really see a lot taking place. And there's definitely a lot of things that we can learn from this passage. Uh, We see, I think it's a story of incredible faith. I think it's a story of incredible courage, this uh, faith of Amram and Jochebed and the courage of Miriam, little eight-year-old girl that we'll talk about. But really the the main thrust, the main uh, thought of this passage is the birth of Moses and the overall protection of God. And we need, we need to know that the, the context, we're gonna be in Exodus this week and next week, and then we'll be back in Ephesians for a few weeks, and then we're gonna be in Exodus again for 10 weeks after that. And we just need to know that this passage right here will lead into those things, understanding that God is a God who keeps his promises, and God is a God who protects his people. And the protection may look differently for some than it does for others. But God does keep his promise and God does protect his people. And Exodus chapter number two is just another uh, infallible proof of God keeping his promise and keeping Moses alive. And you will later see Moses be the one that is raised up that God uses uh, to bring the people out of bondage. But for this morning, what I want us to understand is kind of just some principles or some practical application or some thoughts that we can kind of take away from this. Of course, at this time in the book of Exodus, in the timeline of history, for a child to be born, it really would bring some very weighty stress. How many of you know that children are stressful anyway? Man, children are stressful anyway. Like I said earlier, you stress about things you didn't even think you would stress about. I remember when Dennis was just a few months old and, and he had a temperature of like 101 and, and he was probably six months or eight months old. And man, Hannah, she's all calm and collected and I'm the emotional one. You know, I'm the one that's like, ah, what is going on? You know, and I remember like thinking like, man, what's going on? And I, I was crying. I was like, he's gonna, you know, is, is he gonna go pass out? Like what's going on here? And we called him nurse in our church, and she was like, dude, calm down. It's a fever. 
Like he'll be, he'll be fine. Like give him some baby aspirin. Maybe you need to take some too. Just get some baby Tylenol, you know? And, and uh, you know, I remember her, I just remember stressing about the smallest things. Man, we, we know just the normal stresses of being a parent. Many of you know that if you don't have kids yet, just ask your parents. They'll tell you that you're a stressful person. Uh, but here's the thought. Can you imagine your children being born at a time when if it's a boy, you're commanded to kill it? And if you don't, they'll come and they'll take your life and the baby's life. What a, what a, what a stressful time. And yet we see these two parents, Amram and Jochebed, uh, having faith to save their child alive. And they would hide Moses for as long as they could. But when they could no longer hide him, they, in faith, placed baby Moses in this basket and, and strategically put him in a spot that would be a, a safer place along the Nile River, which is just mind-blowing to us that they would do this. But they did it in faith, just trusting God. We've done all that we could. And now, God, we're placing this into your hands. And, and then Miriam, eight-year-old Miriam, is there. And she's watching the baby, watching that basket. And they had strategically, I believe from the passage, we could gather that they had strategically done this on the Egyptian side of the Nile River where they knew Pharaoh's daughter or family would come down. And, and I, we don't know what the whole game plan was, but it's no mistake that they put the baby there. And Pharaoh's daughter comes down and you read the story with me that Miriam sees the baby, sees uh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter get that, or yeah, Pharaoh's daughter get the baby. And Miriam, this little eight-year-old girl, we'll talk about her in just a minute, in a, a, a moment of extreme courage. I mean, radical courage. She's a slave. And yet she runs up to speak to the Pharaoh's daughter. And she says, hey, you want me to find someone that could help you with that baby? And then she goes and Miriam brings back Moses' mother, Jochebed, and now Jochebed, Miriam, Moses, standing there in front of Pharaoh's daughter. And we see an incredible turn of events as now she gets the child back with blessings. Now she has complete protection of Egypt now her child will be royalty and raised in the, in the most powerful family in the known world. They have complete financial support from Egypt to raise Moses. And then we'll see today, God would give Jochebed the formative years of Moses' life to raise him and to pour into him. It's really a phenomenal story. And again, while there's a lot we can learn, I want us just to see and continue with this theme of difference makers. And I want us to understand that we can learn from this passage about being a difference maker. Difference makers, they invest in those closest to them by faith. Notice what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 about this situation. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child, that he had purpose, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23 tells us, it's kind of a commentary, if you would, on the passage in the book of Exodus, and it tells us why Amram and Jochebed did what they did, by faith. You see, in in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23, it's not talking about Moses's faith at this point. It will, the next verse and a few verses later, it will highlight the faith of Moses and we'll see that this morning as well. But you know what Hebrews eleven twenty three 23 is highlighting? It's highlighting the faith of Amram and Jochebed. What did they do? They too said, we are not afraid of the king's commandments. No doubt they had fear, but their faith overruled their fear. And they, by faith said, we are gonna do what it takes so that our family can fulfill their purpose. Man, it's incredible. Everything that we read in Exodus chapter two, verse one through 10, it was done in faith. And difference makers, they are those who by faith, they invest in those closest to them. How do we do this? I want you to notice with me today, just three simple thoughts. First, difference makers, they see purpose and they make sacrifices. If you're gonna pour into, or excuse me, if you're going to invest into those closest to you, then it starts by seeing purpose and making sacrifices. This is an incredible lesson that we learned from Amram and Jochebed. They were not afraid of the king's commandment to keep their child alive. And as we have discussed, I mean, most of the time when a child would be born, there would be excitement, especially a son. At this time in history, not that the birth of a daughter was downplayed or anything like that, but when you had a son in your family, it meant family line would continue. It meant you had hard workers to help the family line. It meant your name was going to continue. It meant, I mean, there are so many implications and celebrations that would take place because of a baby boy being born. And yet at this time, at this time, we have to know the incredible pressure that would have been upon Amram and Jochebed. You see, it wasn't like now. (laughs) Now you can go like three months, four months into a birth or into a pregnancy and find out the gender. Five months, six months, you can go whenever from, you know, what is it, four months and on. I'll tell you the baby's gender. They didn't do that back then. Is, surprise, it's a boy. (laughs) Surprise, it's a girl. And so you didn't know. And yet we read that at great risk to their family, they kept Moses alive and they were willing to impose challenges and risks in their own, to their own lives in order to keep Moses alive. And there, the, the passage would lead us to understand that they had already, and we know this from other places in scripture, they already had Miriam, who was eight years old. They already had Aaron, who would have been five years old. And now they're having Moses as a, as a new baby. And so sometime between the birth of Aaron and the birth of Moses is when this decree came out to kill the firstborn. They'd already been slaves at this point for probably 60 to 70 years, but now there's this decree that comes out, hey, kill all the firstborn, or kill the, uh, the, the baby sons. And so now they have this unneeded stress and pressure, and you know what they probably could have done? They probably could have justified themselves in allowing Moses to die. Humanly speaking, maybe they could have justified themselves and said, well, if, it's, if, if, if it's, it's either him or all of us. 
but they didn't. You know what they were willing to do? Amram and Jochebed, they were willing to do what it took so Moses had a chance to fulfill God's purpose in his life. We read in, in Exodus chapter two that verse number three, when it's, or verse number uh, um, two, when it says that she, the mom, saw that Moses was a goodly child. Uh, in Hebrews 11, it says that he was a proper child. You can look up those words and it kind of leans to, and some people think it means that he's just kind of a good looking kid. And so they're like, oh, good looking kid. I guess we'll keep you alive, you know? And Okay, we have to know that's not what it's talking about, you know, because if that's the case, then I've seen a lot of ugly babies in my life. I'm just saying, let's just be, let's be honest for just a minute. I'll tell you this story, it has nothing to do with my message. My, my mom tells a story of when my uncle was born, my grandmother said to the doctor, take him back, he's not mine, he's too ugly. My uncle's never lived it down. Like ever. I mean, in your family, would they? Like, no, like they're the ugly kid now. Anyway, you know, back then, that's not what this passage is saying. Well, he's a good looking kid, we'll keep him alive. When it says that he was a proper child and a goodly child, in the context of the story, it, it gives the implication, it helps us understand that Amram and Jochebed, they just knew God has purpose with my kid. There is something special. And so, what did they do? Well, what I see them doing is they sacrificed their own safety. They gave up a lot in order to help Moses fulfill God's purpose and God's plan for his life. No doubt, this was a time of sorrow and anguish, and it would be a time when trusting that God had a plan was hard. It was a very dark time for the people of God, and yet here we see a shining faith in the midst of this moment. And you know what I see them doing is I see them seeing purpose and making sacrifices. You know what's taking place today? There are too many parents who instead of sacrificing their desires and their wants to help pour into and invest into their children. Can we just all agree today that too many parents are actually sacrificing their children? Oh, we're not taking them and throwing them in the Nile River. We're not taking our kids and culture and, and taking them to a, 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 a false idol of Molech and placing them in the burning arms to be lit on fire as a, as a martyr to our God or an offering to our God. We're not throwing them into the, the gates of hell that you read about in, in Matthew, that, that cave, Matthew in, in uh, Caesarea Philippi, Matthew chapter number 16. We're, we're not doing that. But too many parents are sacrificing their children on the altars of convenience and culture rather than making sacrifices for their children. Moms and dads are pursuing their own goals and their own dreams at the price of their family. And I want us to know this morning that difference makers, they desire to see purpose in their kids' lives and make sacrifices to adjust and sacrifices to invest. It's not just about me and my career and my life and you guys are along for the ride. It's what's God's purpose for my family? What's, what's God's purpose for my kids? And yes, I have a career and yes, I have to work to pay the bills, but work is not my God. Amen. He's my God and it comes God, family, 
everything else. But you know what too many people are doing? Work, hobbies, friendships, sports, entertainment, culture, family. And if I have extra time, I'll pour into my family. If I have spare time, I'll spend some time with my boys or with my daughter. Hey, you know what what our country needs? Our country needs some parents and some grandparents. And those of you that are here that aren't parents yet, they need some dedicated Christians that are gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna see the purpose of those closest to me and I'm gonna make sacrifices of my own will, my own wants, my own desires because I wanna help them go forward. Difference makers, what do they do? Man, they, they see purpose. They see potential. They make sacrifices. I want to ask you this morning, do you see purpose in the lives of those around you? Are you willing to sacrifice so that they can fulfill God's purpose in their lives? Secondly, this morning, I see the difference makers. They have a desire to protect from the enemy. They have a desire to protect those closest to them from the enemy. We saw this a little bit last week, but I see it this morning in in Amram and Jochebed because verse number three tells us that there came a time when they could no longer hide the baby. And that time was about three months. Now, what happens usually about three months? Now, there's some kids are younger, that it happens younger, but most it's three or four months. You know what they do? They discover their lungs. And that little whimper that's so adorable and so cute when they're an infant and a newborn becomes a blood-curling scream in the middle of the night that wakes you up and you think, some, like, what is going on? And it's just, you know, junior or juniorette. That's all that came to my brain right then. And they're just like, feed me! Ah! You know, man, I mean, it is just loud. That's what happened. They, it came to a place where they had little, little infant Moses. They couldn't hide him anymore. And mom's like, man, like we can't look, I mean... We don't have any silencing equipment. I'm not gonna, you can't muffle them, you know? Like They maybe need to invent a muffle. I don't know. Maybe they need to come up with that, but they didn't at this time. And so they took baby Moses and in faith, they put him in those bulrushes. You know what she was doing at this time? She, in faith, she placed baby Moses at the last place that an Egyptian would look for him. Do you see it when it says that she laid him in the flags by the river's brink, the Nile River, we don't have time to get into it, but the Nile River, of course, would be a place that had uh, different uh, creatures in it and crocodiles or, or alligators that would be in it and it would have, of course, fish that would be in it that were uh, man-eating fish and different things that would be in the Nile. And yet, in faith, she put him in a basket. Why'd she do this? Well, she knew that the last place that they would look for a baby to be alive would be in the Nile River. You see, the only reason that a soldier would go to the Nile River would be to cast babies in, but they wouldn't be doing it where the Pharaoh's family would bathe. It's all strategic. It's very interesting. You know what the Nile was known for? The Nile was known for death, and here's an awesome connection you know, Jochebed, do, Jochebed, she would choose the very place of death to be the place where Moses would find life and be saved alive. 
She placed Moses in the very place that is known for death in order for him to live. I hope you can already see the connection, those of you that may know it, but isn't it awesome that Jesus would choose the very place of death to be the place where we could find life and be saved alive? You see, the Nile in this passage is a wonderful picture of the cross, place of death. It's the last place that you would look for death to be conquered. It's the last place that you would look for life to be given. And yet, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died. But because of his death, we can live. What an awesome, what an awesome picture. And yet here we have, back in our story, we have made baby Moses there. And he's in the Nile being protected because his mom said, my desire is to shield him from the enemy. You know, the difference makers do, they, they do what they can to protect and shield those closest to them from the enemy. I think today we live in a culture where too many parents, they give the enemy easy access into their family. But where are the parents and where are the Christians who are going to say, you know what, my desire is to protect my kids from the enemy. Now for us, it doesn't mean placing our children in a basket down by the river, but it does mean that we do what we can to keep the enemy from having quick and easy access into our family. You see, too many parents and too many of us know people uh, that, that are around us. And we all have to recognize everybody has somebody following them. And what we do is we too often, we give the enemy easy and quick access into our lives and into the lives around us by allowing sin to creep in and by making sinful decisions that we don't pray about, don't think about. And what we need today is we need some parents who are going to try and shield their family from the enemy. Listen, mom and dad, it is okay to protect your, protect your family from the devil. It's okay to protect the influences in your home. What are you talking about, pastor? I'm gonna talk to parents real quick. It's okay to set up like guidelines in your home about TV screens and movies and cell phones. It's okay to, hey, mom and dad, it's okay to say, hey, no cell phone in the room. <gasps> Pastor, you are just a tyrant. No, no, no. Hey, many of you, I mean, listen, if you're, if you're 30 or older, you've seen the change that this has brought to culture. And what... 20 years ago, what people had to just, I mean, try to sneak and find and, and go to the worst of places to find is easily accessible right here. And social media and Facebook and you want to, oh my, all right, we're about to do it. I'm doing it anyway. I work with the, chair, with the sheriff's office and many of you know that as a chaplain. And we, we have had multiple suicides in, in our community of teenagers. Listen, 12, 13, 14 years old. Hey, teenagers, Little, little, I mean, I'm children, 12 years old, 14 years old. And you know where many of them got the idea? Uncontrolled Facebook, uncontrolled TikTok, 
uncontrolled. And we had this thing three years ago, four years ago. You can talk to maybe some of our officers even that are with us today or those that have worked in that. And they will tell you that years ago, there was this challenge going out through TikTok, a TikTok challenge to kill yourself. Hey, it's okay, parents, to put some guidelines and protect your kids. The devil's out to destroy them. Who cares if Tommy down the road got a cell phone when he was 12? Junior, you're not getting one when you're 12. But mom, but nothing. I pay for you to live here. And you, hey, I'm, we're, are we all still okay this morning? Because I'm about to go down a road that we need to go down. Hey, teenagers, it's okay for mom and dad to have some rules for you and guidelines in your home. They do it because they love you. They do it because they've been there. And I, I want to talk to you and tell you, they do it because they care. And you need to realize that sometimes moms and dads are going to say some things and they're going to they're give you some instruction that you are not going to understand. It is okay. You know, the best thing you can do is say, okay, mom, all right, dad, I trust you. I trust you. Man, where, where are the parents in our culture? They're gonna, that are gonna not, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about having pharisaical rules. Right, I'm not talking about pharisaical rules that are like, well, if you do this, then you're not spiritual. No, 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 I'm not talking about that garbage. I'm talking about just instilling in your children, hey, the enemy's out to destroy you and I wanna raise you and wisdom says, I'm gonna teach you how to have prudence. That means I'm gonna teach you the wisdom you need to know and then I'm gonna give you the action you need to take to help you make decisions on your own. You see, mom and dad, the whole purpose of guidelines is not to control their life. The whole purpose of instruction, no, it is train up a child in the way they, that they should go so that way when they're old, they'll not depart from it. We'll see that in just a second. But the whole principle is parents understanding the devil is out to destroy my family and I'm, it's okay for me to say, no, you're not hanging out with them. It's okay for me to say, no, you're not watching that. It's okay for me to say, no, I don't, I don't really appreciate that music. It's okay for me to say, no, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go hang out. We're, we're not gonna go to that place. Moms and dads, it's okay. You know what that takes? It takes a little bit of backbone. Well, pastor, why would I do that? Because difference makers do what they take, do what they can to protect their family and those closest to them from the enemy. He hates you. The devil hates you. Don't give in to culture of well, you're just you're you're just a, a you know a Nazi ruler in their life. You're just this. You're just that. You're Hey, I don't care what you call me. I love my kids too much. I'm not just gonna let them loose. Now again, I'm not talking about pharisaical theology. I'm just talking about the principle of setting up the desire, having the desire to protect your kids from the enemy. <clears throat> I see thirdly today that difference makers, really they take every opportunity to pour into those following them. I want you to go to verse number seven. I don't want to read the verses again, but you can see in verse number seven, they find the baby. Miriam goes and gets Jochebed and then Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter gives 
Jochebed the baby. And you know what would happen is Jochebed would have this baby until he was probably about five years old. Moses would be in Jochebed's home until he was about five years old. And before we even see this, I wanna tell you just a second, little Miriam in our passage, what an incredible little girl. She's eight years old. Her childhood has been robbed from her. She's living in a culture where death is all around her and she could be put to death for simply speaking to the Pharaoh's daughter. And yet what does she do? Encourage, she just goes right up. I love that about her. I love that courage just to speak up. But looking at Jochebed very quickly today, do you know what she does? She uses the formidable years to help Moses know who he is, what his heritage is, where he came from, and that God has a plan with him. How do we know she did that? Go to one verse after this, verse number 11 of Exodus chapter two, it says this. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and he looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. In that passage, we're gonna see it next week, Moses makes some very crazy choices and foolish choices. But he does the choice of killing an Egyptian that is smiting a Hebrew because Moses recognizes he's part of my brethren. What does that mean? He's a Hebrew, nationality. You know, do you know why Moses knew his nationality? Why he knew he was a Hebrew? Why he knew that he was a child of God? He didn't get that wisdom by growing up in Pharaoh's home. No, he got it from Jochebed. He got it from a mom who poured into him. He got it from a dad who helped him see God has a purpose for you. And 35 years later, Moses, as a son of Pharaoh, he knows who his real brethren are. He knows who his God is because his mom poured into him. I said the verse, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about investing into your children. In those young years that Jochebed had Moses, she was instructing him, we are the people of God. Moses, God has a purpose for you. Moses, God's plan for you is bigger. And she didn't know, she didn't, we, we know the end of the story. We know Moses would grow up and, and lead millions of people and he would become uh, part of the redemptive work of God and the people of Israel at that time. We know all of that. She didn't know that. But she just knew God has a purpose with him. And she poured into him so much so that when it came time for him to choose, notice what it says about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come of to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, Moses did. Moses, 
he would be later, 35 years later, he would be 40 years old and he would pursue God because he, even though he couldn't see God, he knew that God had a plan for him. He knew that God was real and he knew that God had purpose with him. Moses didn't get that during 35 years of being raised in Pharaoh's home. No, Moses got that because he had a mom who poured into him because he had parents who by faith sacrificed for him. And I just wanna say this morning, where are the parents in our culture? Where are the young teenagers in our culture? Where are the singles in our culture who have the idea I'm just going to pour into people who are close to me. I'm going to take what I have and what I know about God, and I'm going to desire to invest it into them. And I'm not going to allow the, the culture to creep in and have easy access into my life and my family's life. No, I'm going to protect myself, and I'm going to protect those around me. And I'm just going to have a desire to say, God has purpose, and I believe that God can work his purpose through me as I invest in my family around me. Years later, his stand for God, Moses' stand for God began because a loving mother poured God into him. You know what difference makers do? They have faith that God has a purpose. And then in faith, they invest in those closest to them. Here's the question I wanna ask you today. In faith, will you pour into the lives of those around you? Hey, parents, will you begin, will you pour into your kids? Hey, teenager, will you begin to pour Christ into your friends? Hey, singles, will you begin to pour Christ into those that are following after you? Will you desire to protect those around you from the attacks of the enemy? One of the best ways that we can help protect is just keep praying. Keep praying for each other and praying praying for those around us and having a heart that says, God, I wanna believe you have purpose in any circumstance. And so Lord, would you help me use my life to invest in the lives of those around me? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.